Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com Danjuma is also there. It's going to be Danjuma. He's going to fire this one into a very dangerous area. And Billing at the back post has turned it in. Unbelievable. Danjuma smashed it across the six-yard box. And Phil Billing gets the credit. Somehow a little backflip inside the far post. And the Chiefs with 13 minutes left have got themselves back in front again. Hi and welcome to episode 112 of Back of the Net, the AFC Bournemouth podcast. My name's Sam Davis, hope you're doing alright. Of course, episode 112, 112 is another number for the emergency services. And unfortunately, we didn't need to call them and get the fire brigade in to put out the flames of our lit performance at Dean Court because it wasn't quite that. We did well, though. We won 3-2, we got the three points. Jonathan Woodgate fulfilled the remit that was set out. However, there were defensive holes, but at least we were back in the goals. It was a 3-2 win against the Blues. It was much needed and a confidence booster ahead of some matches where we really should be getting some more points on the table. This one is an interesting one to discuss. We've got half an hour on the game and then half an hour discussing the new manager by the way of a tier list. Yeah, that's right. If you don't know what one of those is, we get all the managerial names and we pop them into a category. And the categories are want and realistic, want but not realistic, would take it, not for me and God no. That's coming up later in the show. No, do you remember this week? Let's just get straight on to the footy action. And today I'm joined by Standard, really, isn't it? It's Neil Dawson, the main man, Tom Jordan, and of course, Jeff Hayward. It was a hard fought win against the Blues, in some ways with a caretaker manager in charge that has only just taken over. 
the performance didn't really matter. We just needed the result. But we got the three points. And yeah, Jeff, there's there's a lot of relief, isn't there? A lot of relief uh, to win that game. Uh, it, it, we had to win it. After after the week we've had to have lost that or dropped a point. We, yeah, I mean, so important. I, th- I thought some of the results went for us as well over the weekend. You know, like Norwich haven't scored again. You know, they're showing a bit of fragility. Watford drawing at Coventry again, you would have expected them to win. So for us to get three points on the board was massive. Huge time, wasn't it? Yeah, massive. And uh, like Jeff said, you know, a few few results went away. Trying to get a bit of a gap on the teams, you know, kind of seventh and lower and also keep up with a chasing pack. You know, Watford and teams like that. There's a few teams now that are going for a bit of a bit of an inconsistent patch as well. So we just got to win games. And um, yeah, it wasn't amazing. It wasn't pretty. I didn't expect us to suddenly be brilliant. Um, having, having seen how we've been lately, but we just had to get the three points and uh, we managed to do it. And that's all that matters. Neil, did you see much of Jonathan Woodgate's press conference on the on the Friday? Uh, yeah, saw the press conference on the Friday, saw the press conference afterwards on Sunday. Loved his comment to Neil Parrott when Neil Parrott said you won't have known anything about Dan Juma. <laughs> yeah. The reason why I love that is I do think that um, in within Bournemouth we're so insular and I think we just, because we don't go looking for managers elsewhere or players elsewhere particularly, I think we, we just assume that... Um, that no one else does. So clearly Jonathan Woodgate, I bet Middlesbrough probably looked at Dan Juma or something, but I, I thought that was great. And what did you make of his persona and how he carried himself across within the press conference? Because I was actually quite impressed by what I heard. Hadn't really heard him speak too much as a sort in a managerial role previously. No, he's, um, no, because I mean, I suppose unless you're a Borough fan, you probably wouldn't have, would you? But he's, um, I thought he's, he's nice and understated. It's not all about him. Um, uh, he clearly put a lot of um, praise towards uh, the backroom team and how they've helped him settle in, which was nice. Um, he, uh, uh, yeah, I just thought he, he went about himself in the way you'd expect a caretaker manager to go about themselves. Didn't say, you know, didn't say, oh, I really want to get the job or anything like that. Understated, all about the players, all about the backroom staff. I mean, I understand he's fluent Spanish, isn't he? So is what I've heard from his time in Madrid. So, I mean, that I'm sure that will help with Lerma, um, Rico and Raquel me. Um, so, uh, so yeah, he, he, he's doing what you kind of would expect a caretaker to do in the early days, isn't he? Mm. So one of his uh, first things he had to do was uh, sort a team, Jeff. And at two o'clock, we found out the lineup, And it was Begovic, Smith, Carter Vickers, Steve Cook, Lloyd Kelly, Lerma, Lewis Cook, Jack Wilshire, David Brooks, Shane Long, and Dan Juma. What did you think when you saw that lineup announced? Uh, pleased that it was reverting to a back four. Pleased that Carter Vickers was in. Uh, I yeah. think I think Mepham the last couple of games just he's just not quite there yet. Um, and the the uh, the only reservation I had was seeing. Uh, Shane Long playing up top. I mean, Shane Long hasn't played much for the Saints this year, so to ask him to lead the line on his own was was going to be a big ask. Personally, I would have preferred to see Sam up there, particularly after the second half he put in. And I think that sort of sends slightly the wrong signal out to to Sam as well. Um, And he's had a lot of those this year. He needs to be given a chance. So hopefully he'll get a start against Burnley and show us what he can do. Yeah, Tom, what do you think when you saw it? Yeah, I agree. Agree with Jeff. I was um, happy with the with the system how it looked. Um, wasn't wasn't sure if Brooks would maybe start, having been off form and things like that. But um, yeah, I was I was happy with the team. I I agreed at the time. I, I would have gone with um, Surridge. I think looking in hindsight, I suppose we're hearing that Dom Solanke's injury might be 
worse than we potentially thought. And obviously Shane Long's cup tied for Tuesday. And whether he's just thinking, you know, because he kept Shane Long on for 90 minutes, whether he's thinking, I'll give 90 for Shane in this game and then I'll have to play Surridge in 90 against Burnley. So I suppose in hindsight, I can, I can understand it a little bit more. But um, yeah, so it'd be a big opportunity for Sam because he's bound to play on Tuesday because he'll be the only striker we have. Um, so that'd be a chance for him to kind of, you know, stake a claim. But yeah, in general, I was happy. I was pleased to see Carter Vickers back. Like yeah. like Jeff said, I think he's he deserves it with, with Mepham having a few bad games. Um, yeah, maybe it was, I was interested to see if Pearson would come in, but obviously he wasn't to be and was chuffed uh, to see Jack Wilshire start as well. Yeah, and we started the game and it was no different to the rest of them, Neil, was it? No. Uh, yeah, I think the key thing to point about with Jack Wilshire playing as well was that he was playing back in the number 10 role, um, which was yeah. w- w- what we all spoke about on the last podcast. Um, well, we were also confused as to why Jason Tindall in his in such a key game played him in the centre midfield. So, but no, with with Wiltshire back in that number ten slot, um, nothing changed. But I don't. I was reading some of the comments on Twitter about oh well, clearly it's not you know must can't be the manager, it's got to be the players. You think, well, hang on a minute, Jonathan Woodgate had what three days with that squad of players who have been in a terminal mental decline now since Christmas. So I don't know. I don't know what people were expecting. You know, if we brought Jurgen Klopp in, would we have gone out and won five 0 and played played wonderful football? I think it takes a long time to reverse some of the traits of of what we've got. But no, it was it was not, not particularly different. Um, uh, you know, Dan Juma running up blind alleys, fullbacks not attacking. Um, it it all had a sort of a familiar ring of predictability about it. That's for sure. Yeah, I mean, when Thomas Tuchel came in for Chelsea, I think he had a few days before they played Wolves. And that was a uh, a boring nil-nil at Stamford Bridge, so he didn't exactly have time. But even that week he had, you could see them playing like a different side in their subsequent game. So, yeah, it'd be interesting to see what he could do if he was given time. But obviously, we all want a permanent manager to be named. And Jeff, you know, as I said, started off not particularly great. And there were number of individual errors during that first half. I mean, Lloyd Kelly was culpable, Lewis Cook at times trying to do a, a drag back in his own penalty area. It, it seemed to be the same old, same old. Yeah, David Brooks trying to dribble out, yeah. you know, trying to nutmeg somebody in our own half. And and like, um, it, was, it was really frustrating. Um, Begovic made a terrific save. Uh, Steve Cook, a phenomenal clearance off the line. Oh my God, yeah. I mean, wow, and um, yeah, you kind of you kind of thought we might ride it out and and get away with it, but then again, you know, after the, after starting quite positively, those individual mistakes you could see it was beginning to affect the players. They 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 were losing their confidence again, and and it was having the reverse effect on Birmingham. They thought, hey, we've got a chance here. Um, so the the mistake when it came as Begovic, really, I think, you know, he should have, he should have stopped that cross. Um, instead, fumbles it, easy tap-in. And, yeah, it it did feel a bit like every game we've watched since Christmas. Yeah, Begovic was our saviour on about 17 minutes when, uh, well, of course, Sanchez, as Jeff said, had that shot which Steve Cook had off the line. Then moments later, I think Sunjic had a snapshot which begs dive down low to his right, really good save. And then Tom, only about five or six minutes later, then an inexplicable error from him. Yes, yeah, it's, it's horrible with uh, the life of a keeper, isn't it? He's probably made two mistakes this season, but they're so, you know, you can, they're, they're so there because there's a goalkeeper who's in the back of the net. Um, most of our players this season have made at least that amount 
every 20 minutes. So, you know, he's kept us in games. I don't think anyone's going to go mad at Asmir Begovic, but it was, it was poor for him. He'll know that. Um, don't really know what happened, really. It just seemed to have, like, weak wrists. I don't really know what he was thinking, whether he um, mis- misjudged the flight. The- I'm not really not sure whether he thought it might take a touch. But either way, it touched him, but unfortunately, it fell right to the path for, for their lad to finish off. So, yeah, frustrating. And, and like we've said, it, it didn't it didn't look any different to how we've started games of late. Um, but like Neil said, I'd have been absolutely shocked if we had come out a completely different team, considering Woodgate's had a couple of days. I, I expect, as as we've all said, I expected us to to be similar to what we have been. It was just about getting over the line, just bundling our way to a win, which obviously ultimately we, we did. But yeah, won the great start and um, going one behind was, we just thought, we were just hoping we could ride it out, I think. But unfortunately, that error made us go one one behind. And it was nearly two, apart from the offside flag saved us. I think it was Pedersen with a strike. Yeah. Ridiculously good volley, Jeff, wasn't it? It was. It was, a, I mean, I was like thinking, please God, let that be offside. Please God, because two nil, I think, Mm. The, all the fragility we've shown, you know, we we I don't think we'd have come back from that. So, thank goodness. On that occasion, the linesman decided that he would rule the offside, which he didn't later. But anyway, won't go into that quite now. Yeah, we came back into it though. I think um, you're getting our our defenders. So, you know, well, the players like Lloyd Kelly, our fullbacks forward a bit more, really helped because uh, he didn't seem to be giving Dan Juma any support and. Dan Juma constantly was running down cul-de-sacs in the first half of that 45 minutes, but it improved. Jack Wilshire started to pull the strings a little bit more. And then, um, yeah, Dan Juma, he made it one all and, uh, you know, cracking finish. It was a, it reminded me a little bit, dare I say, of Weeman scoring against Leicester when we won 4-2. It was a similar kind of run and uh, he cut into his right foot, Neil. Yeah, he's our idol. We love to reminisce about Wee Man's greatest moment on his show. I'm sure we could find a better better example if we wanted to. But uh, but no, you're right. He did used to do that a lot. But the um, yeah, so key point I think you made there, uh, the whole left side gelling is not gelling at all. Um, I was thinking about what is the difference between us since Christmas and prior, and it was a, it was all around... If you're playing inverted wingers, they've got the release fullbacks outside them. Um, otherwise, all they're doing is running into into trouble into a blind alley, and the whole play gets condensed. And and I think that's either on purpose or by accident. That's what stopped happening. Uh, and I think it's a combination of personnel and us trying to be more cautious. Um, and so yeah, it was. Uh, it, there was no link up down the left at all. Danjuma wasn't offering any defensive cover, and Kelly wasn't offering any attacking support. So. It, just it's just a disaster and it's similar on the right to be honest just not as noticeable and not quite as bad because the personnel's better but yeah jack wiltshire absolutely outstanding run vision that's why you want him in the number 10 slot his his pass was perfectly weighted and composed um he took all the right amount of time and then dan juma little dink inside which we know he does very very well and then found the bottom corner excellent goal can i just say something about dan juma right I think he encapsulates everything about this team at the moment. He's a great individual, but and, he, and he's capable of brilliant moments of quality. He's also incredibly frustrating because Lloyd Kelly will has made runs for him in the past and never got the ball. And I'd be thinking if I was left back, well, he's never going to pass to me. Why should I make the run? And I think that's part of the issue. You know, sometimes sometimes you think, Play the ball. You're surrounded by three people. Play. There's a pass on. There is a pass on. Instead, he tries to do it all on his own. 
you know, is 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 a gifted individual, but he's got to know when to pass, when to release the ball. And sometimes you see him going into the area and there's an inside pass to somebody who's better placed to take the shot. Dan Jimmy will take the shot. You know that because that's the sort of player he is. Mm. If he could just be more of a team player at those critical moments. And to be fair, in the second half, both those goals were Dan Juma being a bit more of a team player because he actually is surrounded by four Birmingham City players in that second half, squares the ball inside to, I think it was David Brooks, who then feeds it onto Adam Smith who crosses. So that is the strength. If he realises it, you know, I'm a marked man and actually I can suck in a lot of players and release somebody rather than trying to beat four people you know, be so much better. And I think that encapsulates so much of, of our team at the moment. Individuals who think they're much better than they are, trying to do it all on their own rather than playing as a team and thinking we're a team, we've got to play as a team. And just be a bit more clever, a bit smarter about how you do it rather than, you know, giving the ball away, trying to do too much. Yeah, I'd move him up front as part of a two. I think if you're playing wide in the modern game, you've got to be so... Key to you're so key to your team's defending, and you're also so key to the interlinking and passing that Jeff was talking about. And I, I just don't think it's his game. I think if we played him in a front two um, and gave him freedom, then he, it's less important because the ball's going to come to him when you want him to shoot, not when you want him to try and create something and to shoot. Me and Jeff will literally say, "Won't we, Jeff?" Off air um, that I, I, I think he should be up front of the two because yeah. I, I just think that his unpredictability. You know, and his, his pace and things like that would cause cause him so many problems. But it'd also allow us to get more of a some sort of relationship down that left-hand side. Um, I mean, yeah. the thing about Arnie is, I mean, I agree. He was so frustrated yesterday. But as we alluded to, he got an assist to the goal. At least he's backing up with the numbers. And sometimes, I think for this goal that we're, we're talking about, he was frustrating me beforehand. But when he got the ball and he jigged inside, I knew he was scoring. And I, I do like that about him. But I, I totally agree. It's... There's, I've been really frustrated with everyone we've seen at left-back this season, but Arnie hasn't helped. Um, he's not a left-back who's going to develop a partnership, a left-winger left that's going to develop a partnership with a man behind him because it just doesn't seem to work. He doesn't seem to be in sync with whoever it is behind him. So um, I think with Dom's injury as well, that could be an option we might um, we might use, uh, putting Arnie up alongside someone, but we'll see. Yeah, I think you should play junior that side. We were saying earlier, you know, if you've got junior, play, play him there. He's a better better player to play that role. Mm -hmm. uh, there's a few people mentioning Arnie in the same breath as Jordan Ibe but as Tom said with the numbers I mean is that a, is that an unfair assessment Tom? Yeah very unfair um, you know um, Arnie backs up the numbers at the end of the day I mean we've said a few times this season haven't we where um, Junior hasn't done anything all game and then he scored and I always say you know he's backing up with numbers and that's what Arnie did yesterday um, he was frustrating he wasn't as good as he has been for us he scored and he got an assist and, and to be honest, if you can back up with numbers, that's the yeah. thing with Brooksy at the moment. He's been very frustrating, but I can't remember the last time he scored or assisted. Do you know what I mean? So that's yeah. the difference. And um, Arnie, at times, was it looked selfish and he wasn't giving the ball when he should. But then when he scored the goal, I thought, that's a bit of arrogance that I like. So, yeah, it's it's getting that balance with Arnie, isn't it? But, I mean, he's pro I mean, how many... He's probably done in the last game what Jordan Ive did in his whole career. So, uh, ball yeah. I think the reason yeah. why people make the comparison with Ive is that they've got one thing very much in common is that they both stop when they get the ball because they're what they've learnt over their childhood or whatever, that their way of beating someone is to stop dead and then knock it and knock it straight away and go. And people can't catch them on that five yard pace. 
So that's the frustration frustration I used to have with Ive and that sometimes I have with Dan Jumas. You've got a wonderful flowing move and when it gets to them, they stop. And I think yeah. that's why, I think that's, but other, other than that, there is very little to compare between the two. He's yeah. also got this really annoying habit of getting in down that left-hand side, getting behind the fullback, but it never crosses with his left foot. No. It always will bring the ball back out on his right foot, bring the ball back out, 18 yards back out, and then kick it all the way back to the halfway line. And suddenly you're thinking, hang on a minute, we were just in right in behind them. Yeah. Yeah. Very frustrating. You, know what? Uh, you try and getting in behind teams has been a problem for everything Bournemouth uh, seemingly all season. But there was a time where we did, and that was where Lloyd Kelly was pushing. And he was, as I said, towards the end of the first half, he was supporting Dan Juma a little bit more. And there was a flick on from Shane Long where he was put through, and I was just willing him to travel with the ball because he had acres to run into but he played this quick cross uh, pass that just went straight to the defender Jeff it's so frustrating when I saw that yeah uh, Lloyd is suffering Tom and I were having a chat during the game yesterday about was he ever any good and and I think he was you know I remember last season when he came into the side he thought wow you know against United at Old Trafford he, he played really well as a centre half he's, he's got the ability he's he um He's frustrating again because he, he, like Dan Juma, he sort of slows the pace down rather than, you know, goes more direct. Um, I wish he was a bit more Stacey-like in, in being a bit more assertive bombing forward. And he, I don't know, he's um, lacking in confidence. I do think he's, <laughs> I don't know, who's the best left back? I'd like to see Zemura play actually on Tuesday just to see what he's like. I think um, Lloyd is so frustrating because he's got, He's got all the attributes. He's yeah. big. He's strong. He's quick. He's powerful. He's and and I just don't. And, and like we said, I remember when he come in uh, last season. I thought, well, we all know Ake's going to go, but Lloyd Kelly will will fill in for him in the championship. Easy. And I feel for Lloyd in the sense that I've made a few comments about um, Smithy as well. In the sense that he can't hold down a position because they're going right. You're a centre half, and then next week they're going. Actually, Lloyd, can you play left back? Actually, Lloyd, can you play left centre of a three? So he, he hasn't got any sort of you know partnerships with other players because he's moving around all the time. And um, when we go into the second goal, I will say I didn't realise he was the one that won the ball back for us. He did win the ball back. Yeah, yeah. So he deserves credit for that. I didn't I didn't realise that at the time. Um, but he's just frustrating me. He's really frustrating me. Is I, I like I say I know there's quality there, but I'm thinking when was the last time I saw it? Um, and like like Neil said last week on Twitter. I reiterated it. Like now, I think Rico's good again. Do you know what I mean? Whichever one plays, I think the other one. <laughs> I think one of the last moments from him, I, I remember that I thought, you know, brilliant was um, he played a couple of decent crosses in from that left side. I remember one against Brentford, low to put Solanke in, and then in yeah. the game before that, he was in similar position, just whipped it in first time onto Dom Solanke at the time who scored. I think that might have been against Reading, but yeah, we didn't see it as much. But like you say, yeah, he set Dan Juma free in the second half. Who we did his usual thing, stopped, cut back, and he played in Brooks. He played in Adam Smith, who dinked it up. And and Neil, I don't know about you, but um, from the time that Jack Wilshire headed it to the time it went in the goal, I think I could have made a cup of tea. Because it seemed to take an eternity and hang in the air before it went in. The uh, <clears throat> I put I, I, that's what I said on Twitter. It's like the, the managerial genius of Jonathan Woodgate. He's worked out that the way to play Jack Wilshire is to get the ball in the air to him in the box. And, um, <laughs> the, uh, um, so no, it was a it was a comical. It was the header of a man who doesn't head a ball. Um, that's what it was, uh, and, and I think, and that's the only way it was ever going to go in because. Yeah. 
He was stretching behind him. And if that had been, say, like a young Kermigan, he would have headed that powerfully goalwards and the goalkeeper would have saved it because the ball was behind, you know, the ball was behind his neck. So I think Wiltshire just got his head on it. And then it, it obviously, then it set, set off skywards and then dropped down, uh, dropped down into the back of the net. So he, he, I can't believe he meant it, but um, it was, uh, it was great. And it, it surely is his first headed goal, is it? I, I don't know any Arsenal, enough Arsenal fans to ask, but, I can't. I cannot believe he scored many headed goals. Unless you got a diving header. Yeah, yeah I, I thought exactly the same when he exactly the same as Neil. I thought a good header of the ball would have missed. It, yeah. It's really weird, but it almost needed someone that didn't know what they were doing. I mean, when it caught his head, I went. I, I literally went, "What the getting?" Do you know what I mean? <laughs> it was. But like you say, a good header of the ball would have just done everything right, and that would have made it easier for the keeper. Yeah. It was almost like the keeper didn't know what was going on. But yeah. Um, Chuff, chuff yeah. attack. It was, um, yeah, really pleased for him to get the goal. Didn't I, I? Honestly, it'd be interesting to see. I'm surprised there haven't been a stat come out if he hasn't scored a header before. I can't think of one though. Definitely not. But that uh, feel good feeling didn't last very long though, did it, Jeff? With uh, Hogan equalising, was it? Well, well, we don't have far, but that was offside. I mean, you can't, you cannot, you cannot get to that position. From when that ball was played and not be offside, I'm sorry. Yeah, However, one was you know just perhaps they were level and then you know defenders coming out. I, I, I can't believe it. I was, I, all you can see on the clip is the the camera focusing on the linesman. The linesman is not looking at when the ball's played. The linesman's looking at the line, so he has no idea when that ball was played. And if he was if he was doing his job properly, that that has to be flagged. However. I think the communication between the goalkeeper and the back four was pretty poor because when the ball comes over and they're not going to get there, Begovic needs to take that. He needs to get much closer to the ball than he did and make it much more difficult. But, you know, it it was it was one of those. It was Sod's Law. He thought, oh, here we go again. You know, it's going to be it's going to be a draw. And um, it, I, yeah, I, I, I think Birmingham were actually better going forwards than I thought they were going to be. And maybe that's that's partly a reflection of the where we're at as a team. That anyone who plays us at the moment thinks they got a chance, so they up their game. And you know, it's that's making it doubly difficult. I think. But when you want a manager to make incisive, decisive decisions, sorry, I should say, Jonathan Woodgate made that choice by bringing Philip Billing on, who then scored oh. the winner. <laughs> oh, I was. <laughs> sure he meant the winner, but I mean, he hit it with his wrong foot. I think, but. Uh, you know, well worked. It was Dan Juma again in the thick of the action. Won the free kick, took the free kick, fired it in. I wasn't really sure what he was <laughs> it was. A, it was a shot, Sam. It was a flipping yeah. shot. <laughs> it was a bit of a weird angle to do that, but you know, that's the kind of thing that you can just hit in at pace. And if it gets a touch, it'll probably end up in the net. And you know, Phil Billing was that man, Tom. Yeah, I mean, as soon as they scored the set, uh, they equalised. I thought well, it doesn't matter. We've, we've Billings just come on. Uh, Matt yeah, yeah. come on the pitch. <laughs> Um, it was it was a sub we all wanted to see the way the game was going. I thought he's got to take Jack Wilshire off and get Phil Billing on. Um, it was it was real, wasn't it? No, it was yeah. It was it was a shame to go go behind, but it was good, it was good to see us respond. Um, that was that was a really good. That was really good. I mean, yeah. it was all going to be. I didn't want us to cave in, and then I thought, oh, they could start putting some pressure on here. So it was it was good to react. Like I say, Dan Juma hit it. Um, typical Dan Juma there, and it just having a, no one else would have tried a shot there. He's just drove it in, but. Bidding at the back stick, such a cultured finish at the back post. Unbelievable how he's done that. I mean, he didn't even know. It was an unbelievable finish. And um, oh, Right foot, left foot, yeah. post. It was all three, wasn't it? Yeah, exactly. As, as we've all said, it was um, a bit of Woodgate genius there. 
bringing on uh, the match winner. So, yeah, never in doubt as soon as he made that sub. I mean, the other thing about the substitution, so Shane Long is is falling over with cramp. Mm, yeah. yeah. And he stays on and completes the full 90s. <laughs> what is going on? It's probably the least eventful debut I can ever remember from a player other than Marcus Painter, um, <laughs> I, would, <laughs> yeah. I would suggest. But he, he, in terms of what he contributed, the billing goal was brilliant as well because he, he's a left-footed player. He swung his left foot at it, missed it, and it went in off his right knee and then in off the post, it was it was comedy gold. It's a shame we shame we've not got the angles we used to have match of the day because that would have been uh, that would have been that would have been great to watch. But uh, but no, Shane Long. Um, uh, I, I think going back to originally, when, why did he play in front of Surridge? I think it's half what Tom said in terms of ninety minutes and the cup match coming up. I also think um, it's part of putting characters and in, into the team. So I think. I think he's talked about how quiet the dressing room is. Shane Long's a really chirpy Irishman. I think, I think he thought, I don't want another child on the young young lad on the pitch. I want I want an experienced pro who's going to shout at people and ruffle things up. So, I mean, it didn't really work. Um, that's for sure. I think Surridge would have played better than Shane Long yesterday, but it might have contributed in terms of dressing room before and half time. Who knows? Oh, I think it's a little bit harsh because Shane Long did hit the bar. Neil, you know, he did have one, yeah, yeah, effort, yeah, 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 that's true, you know, yeah. arguably if he takes a slightly better position, he gives himself a better chance of keeping that down and scoring. I also thought he was unlucky with that header early in the second half, actually, you know, it, it fizzed wide, really close. Um, Sturridge would probably have buried it, but anyway, you know, he, he, he did a couple of nice sort of touches, but is it, like, I don't think we can be too harsh on him because he hasn't no, played no, no. much, so, yeah. So, what do we do against Burnley then? Is it a case of keeping up the momentum? Because I've got a feeling that if we put out the youth and put out some players that haven't played in a while, that could all be lost. Tom, what are your thoughts on it? We've all alluded to in the past how big the squad is. Um, so there's a way of keeping momentum um, and trying to win a football match, but also resting your men that you don't want to want to risk. Um, so, yes, it's difficult about knowing behind the scenes. So kind of Stanislas was a doubt and then he was on the bench yesterday, so you thought he was fit, but then he never brought him on, which makes you think he ain't 100% fit. So it makes you think, well, do, does he need a game or is he better to be rested? So they're kind of things that only, um, you know, the staff will know. I think Jack Wilshire can't play. You, you've got to, unfortunately, you've got to look at it in the grand scheme of things. I think, you know, Jack Wilshire, we know his injury record. Don't play him away at Burnley in a game that ultimately is not going to define our season. Um, but you can still put a team out there that can continue the momentum and, like we mentioned there, Sam Surridge is going to have to lead the line. He's going to want to knock on that door again. I think every time Sam Surridge has, we've said to him, go on, try and stake a claim, he's, he's, he's put a shift in. So I'm happy with that. There's people like, um, you know, Raquel May that will potentially go, you know what, new manager's coming in. I want to, you know, the wingers ain't, ain't performing brilliantly at the moment. I want to show that I can get back in the team. Even in the middle of the park, Ben Pearson is, is available. So, you know, good chance for him. You know, Billing didn't start the game, good chance for him. Mepham could easily come back in. Um, wherever we go, Zamora or Rico or Stacey didn't play. That's still we still got a good team out there that will contribute. So I think um, it's rotation, um, but yeah, we've just got to be we've just got to be clever. And at the end of the day, it's difficult to, to say kind of what team I'd put out because it all depends on on how they've all recovered from that game and you know what the energy levels and fatigue are like within the group. But um, certainly wouldn't play Jack Wilshire, that's for sure. There'll be some players with points to prove after the Burnley three uh, 0 last season billing one of them and Adam Smith the other, I think. So get them on the pitch because I, th I think it'll be quite a tasty game. If we go in with the right attitude, you know, 
God, I would love it. Absolutely love it if we beat them. From a VAR penalty. So sweet. There's another key factor here as well um, that makes it different to any other season is no matter what Woodgate says about not want, you know, not considering this job, taking each game as it comes, he wants this job. Um, so he will play. So I would be amazed if he doesn't play anything other than a first team at Burnley because he wants to be able to go to Neil Blake and, and in a few weeks' time and say, I've won three league games and, and you're in the quarterfinals of the Cup. That's that's what he wants. So that's different to if Jason Tindall is still with the manager or Eddie Howe was the manager. So I, I would I would think he will play. He will go as strong as he can, with the exception of maybe resting Wiltshire, um, because Jonathan Woodgate is a player that understands injuries because he had so many bad ones himself. So uh, I would expect the team that we saw on Saturday minus Wiltshire and and sorry for staying long. Match winner Billing will be back in. Sure. But yeah, I think he's, I think that's a great that's a great point yeah. that you've got a manager there who's who's wanted to show what you know what his results are at the end of the day when it comes down to it and say he wants a job he'll go well look I've, what, what more do you want me to do so yeah. yeah I think that's I don't think we'll see as many as potentially I would I would maybe do or maybe other fans would do I I agree I think I think because of the injury situation I think Wilshire might come out. Maybe it's quite easy to rotate with like a Stacey because you're bringing in someone just as good, if you know what I mean. Um, so I think there might be a couple, but yeah, I don't think there'll be as many as we, as we all expect. I, I agree with I agree with Neil there. Um, so yeah, I, I think if Burnley make a few changes on paper, I don't think there's going to be a lot in it. To be fair, I think we it's it's a winnable game. You know, it's a difficult game, and they're favourites. Yeah. It's a winnable game, and yeah, before we know it, we're off to Wembley and lifting the trophy. So bring it on. And all those players who are playing for uh, Premier League clubs, you know, go out and prove that you can do it against a Premier League club then. This is Matt Holland and you're listening to Back of the Net. Brilliant to hear from the guys. That was Neil, Jeff, Tom and, of course, myself going through the events from the weekend. Of course, the performance, it wasn't great, but the remit was fulfilled and Jonathan Woodgate got the three points. At least we're scoring goals. That's the main thing. So, what's coming up next on Back of the Net? It's time for a tier list. Right, if you don't know what one of these is, what we did is we took a look at all the names being banded about on social media and via the Odds Checker website. We put them all in a list and then we placed each of the candidates into one of five categories, which are want, realistic, want, not realistic, would take it, not for me, and God no. Although on the YouTube video, we we didn't use the word God, we used an expletive instead. But if you want to watch this, you can do so. Go to youtube.com forward slash AFCB podcast. Okay, then let's get started. Of course, we're looking for a new manager. There's so many names that are being mentioned on Twitter, on all the betting sites. Some of them are better than others, we've got to say. And we're going to go through it in a tier list. So the first person is Alex Neal, the former manager of Norwich City. Tom, I'll put this one over to you. We can have a general discussion, but then we need to rank him and uh, see where you want to put him. It's a difficult one, really. He's done all right at Norwich and he's at Preston doing all right at the moment, but I can't stand him. (laughs) (laughs) I can't stand him. Um, Yeah, so... But I mean, he's done all right, and he, to be fair, he's done all right, and he's found out a way of um, 
beating Bournemouth. I tell you, because uh, at Preston and Norwich, he's, he's he's beat us a few times, but um, not for me. Not for me. Are we all in agreement with that? Not for me. Yeah, very yeah, very too dour. Too dour. Irritating guy. All right, then uh, we'll go round uh, next then to Neil who's uh, Neil Dawson, and you've got Chris Coleman, a name that's been not mentioned much on Twitter, but he's he's there on the Odds Checker website as being one of the managerial options, a little bit lower down, not a favourite, but he's in the running. Yeah, do you know what? I never thought of him. Um, so he caught me on the hop a little bit with this yeah. one. Uh, liked what he did with Wales, wasn't convinced. So Fulham, Fulham fans loved him and then fell out with him um, because it, it his complete inability to attack at home um, and then he took that to Sunderland. So I think international football suits him um, better. Not for me. Not for me. Jeff, would you agree with that? 100%. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, Tom's uh, loving it as well. So, yeah, not not for me as well. So, Jeff, you've got Danny Cowley. So, Danny Cowley, obviously, you know, made made a, a big impression. Was it Lincoln, wasn't it, where him and his brother did, did amazing things? And, you know, the Cowley brothers, it's a bit like a, a bit like a, a I don't know. They sound to me, whenever I hear that, I think of, of Del Boy, you know, like they're running some sort of dodgy business, the Cowley brothers. But... <laughs> Well, they've done great things. So they got a big step up, you know, with Huddersfield and it didn't work out for them there. And I'm not quite sure why their magic didn't work there because they were like, you know, bright young things of English management. Uh, I would put them in the not for me category purely because I think what we're looking for is somebody who's got proven credentials for getting a team up. This is not about an experiment. This is about getting a result, getting a series of results together from this team that's going to get us promoted. Right. We'll go back to Tom then. Uh, and you've got David Wagner or Wagner. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. Interesting one, that one. I think um, similarly with with Cowley, it's one of them that I think, um, yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Um, Wagner had done a, I mean, he got Huddersfield promoted, which was, which was pretty special at the time. I, I can't remember them. Play, they didn't play great football. I think they, had, they were one of the first teams to go up with a negative goal difference. Um, but having said that, he only you know, he had the hands he was dealt. You know, Huddersfield didn't have an array of talent like we do. Um, and he got them promoted and he's, he's done all right. I, to be honest, I, I think Wagner's got an all right. So I'd probably go, I'll take it. I would take it. Yeah. Neil, you... Mm. What I looked like? him on the X Factor. I thought he was great. He was great. <laughs> yeah, too <laughs> The, uh, I, was looking at, I was looking at his recent record for, I think it was, was it Schalke or someone? Um, it, where yeah, he, not great. He set a he set a record for uh, a season not 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 getting a win from a season start. So uh, he would be a not for me for me. But, but we got we got to put him in the wood. Take it because that's what Tom said. Yeah. Okay. We'll put it um, in the wood. I think anyone. Anyone who speaks with a German accent, we're in danger of, of thinking they're Jurgen Klopp. But, uh, but, but you know what? Go on. I know he's German. It's nothing to do with it, but I just don't like his accent. And it's not because he's German. <laughs> you know, I can handle Klopp, but he's just got this... Oh, you know what? It's just, yeah, not for me, I'm afraid. Well, I think, I think, I think he's definitely Klopp light, is, is yeah. Wagner. I want to call him Wagner. It's not the opera. <laughs> Wagner. Um, Neil. He'll, get a tune, he'll get a tune out of us. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's superb. Um, Neil, then, so you've got a certain Eddie Howe. Oh, 
<laughs> oh, what are you going to do? Yeah. What are you going to do, Tom? No, no. I, I, I mean, I wanted, I wanted Eddie to stay because um, I think he would have. I think we all wanted Eddie to stay. There was only a couple that didn't, wasn't there, across the fan base. Um, uh, he, I'm convinced that he would have gone back to his more attacking ways that he abandoned in the in the in the Premier League, and I think he would have. He would have made better signings or different signings. He'd have persuaded the board to. He would have recognised that we needed a left back and a centre forward, I think, and not two central midfielders. So, um, I think it would lift the whole club if he came back. So, if you're asking me, then I would definitely want. Um, but I think th- things would have to change at, with the people at the top level for him to come back. Would be my guess. So, do you think it's not realistic then? It's a want, want, but not realistic. Want, but not realistic sadly, I would yeah. say. Yeah, hundred yeah, percent. Yeah, is, I think, it, I think is there is there such a thing as a third coming? No, because yeah. you know, he, it, second time around, he was better than first time around. Well, first time around he was pretty genius, but second time around was even better. Third time, I just wonder whether it might be, I don't know, the the wrong decision maybe to to do it. I don't know. Ross Biggins had about five comings, didn't he? <laughs> yeah, sorry. yeah. Well, Jeff, I, t- I tell you what. There's um, there's a Chelsea pairing that uh, we're going to be coming on to. The first of which is next, and uh, you've got the responsibility of Frank Lampard. It's um, him and JT John Terry that is that have been um, the names have been mentioned more than any others. But Frank, obviously released by Chelsea, he's been manager at Derby. Thoughts on him? Well, he's available. He's he's got Championship experience at Derby. Uh, he's He's got connections in the area because he's part of the Redknapp family. Um, yeah. But um, obviously got found out in the Premier League being a, a, a little bit naive. Also, actually, he's got experience of working for, you know, Russian billionaires. So that could be <laughs> useful. Want, but not realistic, I'd say. Yeah, Tom, Neil, do you think he's he's not realistic? We're too small for him. Yeah. So I would, I, would, I would have him because I think he's really articulate. Um, and uh, I think he's, you know, he might not be a top four manager yet, but he needed to do an apprenticeship and he didn't do a long enough one. Uh, he took the Chelsea job too early, uh, but I just don't, I, I, I think he will be looking for a club of a Derby Forest, Sheffield Wednesday type size with a good owner, not us. Yeah, I agree. Um, I don't, I think he's virtually almost said he's, he wasn't interested or someone said that anyway. Um, yeah, happy for it to go in that, but, but personally I'm quite happy he's not interested, not for me anyway. Okay, you got Gary Monk then, Tom. Yeah. I got Gary Monk. Uh, that's an interesting <laughs> one. How long has he been without a job? I can't even remember where he was last at. He's because he's been at a few clubs now, hasn't he? I mean, I remember he done a decent job at Swansea, um, been at Birmingham, and he was he was he at Borough as well? Yeah, so he was uh, so Swansea, Leeds, Middlesbrough, Birmingham, and then Sheffield Wednesday last. He uh, was yeah. there from sixth of September to the 9th of November. So um, not not a long time with a thirty one percent win record is his best record was at Leeds United 47 percent uh where he was in charge for just short of a year so yeah he's um he's got some big clubs that he's managed but would he be interested in us uh, potentially I guess because he hasn't got the stock to say you know to kind of hold out I wouldn't have thought um having said that <clears throat> nah not for me Neil Jeff not for you no. Not not a good enough record for me. No. Too many in different jobs since since Swansea. There's a name that um, has been touted on odds checker, Gus Poyer, and that name mm. came out of nowhere. Um, Neil, this one's yours. 
Great, you're catching me out with all of these. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the, uh, now, Gus Poyer, I loved when he was at Brighton. I remember they came here in League One, I'm pretty sure it was, and they played Premier League football against us, and none of us had seen anything like it. And it's very similar to the style of football that we've tried to do for the last year and a half, um, sort of, you know, just constant, constant control of the ball from the back. Um, and I don't know... I don't know where he went after that, but um, certainly I would take it. Uh, I would have him in the in my category. I'd, I'd want him. I'd be happy with that. Yep. With Tom? Yeah, yeah it's a, uh, I agree with Neil. It's kind of caught me off guard a little bit, that one, because I can't remember. I remember him at Brighton and thinking, oh, I can't, he's going to be a top manager, but I don't really know what happened. Um, Here it is. He was at Brighton, obviously, for four years, went to Sunderland for a couple. And then it's all abroad. AK Athens, real Betis, um, Shanghai. So he had his uh, his payday for a bit. And then Bordeaux in uh, Mm. the league. And that was up until September 2018. So he's been out of management for a long while. And Bordeaux, Bordeaux, he had a famous incident where he basically uh, criticised the chairman for getting a player in that he didn't want or selling a player he didn't want and basically had a public bust up at a press conference got fired mm. okay so um what was it that you went for neil well i'll be quite happy for him to come so yeah. so want them realistic but what i don't want anyone to think is that's my first choice but no. uh, if he if he came i would i would i would be all right with that okay right so harry redknapp he uh, you know what he's never not going to be mentioned in you know <laughs> He could be 90 and people would still be I just can't see it. I can't see it. I mean, I just can't see it. Harry, Harry, Harry. <laughs> no. It's gone though. No, um, I'm going to put that in the uh, not for me category. Not for me. So not quite in the, um, in the bottom category. I love him, I love him but not for me. All right. Uh, right then, we- Tom. Yeah, John Terry. Oh, you've given me John Terry. Oh, <laughs> Worked that well, didn't you? Worked that well. Um, yeah. Um, I mean, it's just look. It's just he's the favourite for the job. There's so what's confusing me is with the the fan base. I seem to see a lot of people saying agreeing with me that we need someone with a CV experience. We need someone now to come in. We you know we're not about a project now. We need someone to come in and get us up. And then, I'll, then they're hearing John Terry going, yeah, I'll take that. But he hasn't managed anyone. What are you talking about? No, no way. No, 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 no. He hasn't even got his coaching licence yet. Come on, I don't man. want him. Don't want him near the football. I hate him for a start. He, what, he, has, <laughs> he hasn't got any managerial experience. That's the last thing we need right now. Right. I think it would be different if we were in a bit of a transition in the Premier League or whatever. And if we weren't to go up and next year him coming, I'd kind of be a little bit more, okay, but right now, I want someone with a with a CV and, yeah, not for me. Okay, so that is not the bottom category, but we're going to go for not for me. Is that right? No, put yeah, in the bottom category. In the bottom category. All right, <laughs> we're doing it. We're doing it. There we go. That's the bottom category. Now, uh, Neil, you've got current caretaker manager Jonathan Woodgate there. Ooh. So, um, it's a tough one, this one. Uh, so, he will have learned a lot in his period at Middlesbrough. So a lot of people are saying, I'll oh, look at it, you know, he's had one spell at management. So he took a Middlesbrough side who lost their parachute payments, uh, had to jettison Tony Pulis. He took over a squad that was full of Tony Pulis players. So there was only so much you can do with that with no transfer budget. And he had to blood the kids. 
Uh, I, I know this because I've, I've got a mate who's a Borough fan and I had a good catch up with him about this the other day. And he said, look, you know, when you put all of those circumstances together, he didn't actually do that bad a job. Um, and uh, his only criticism of him, bizarrely, was that he thought he was quite inarticulate and, and not the brightest guy in press conferences and not that motivational. Um, could have done with a bit more of a personality. So I think the jury's out on him. I don't think he's as bad as some people have painted him. Um, I want to see him do a lot more, you know, over a period of time. Um, so I would put him probably in the would take it box. I think the next couple of matches will perhaps enforce that opinion or, or yeah. maybe not. And it'll be really yeah. interesting to see what happens. So, uh, right, Jeff, you got uh, Mark Hughes. Mark Hughes. Mark Hughes, really? Someone's, someone's suggesting Mark Hughes. Sorry, but yeah. No, I mean, come on. Yeah, that's the case if you want. Yeah, no, 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 no. We're we talking no. bomb category. Do I, why? Let's try to give a reason. Um, I don't think he's a particularly great coach. I think his track record is not particularly brilliant. I think he has lots of people in the media who talk him up as a great manager, but actually the results speak for themselves, and I don't think they're particularly good and I don't think he'd be able to get the best out of our team to play in a way that's that's yeah. right for the our team. Yeah. Okay, so I'll put that at the bottom category. Tom, I'm gonna give you Mark Mosley who's next on the list. <laughs> Mark Mosley. Yeah, it's, been it's been mentioned. I mean I gotta put it in but maybe um, Yeah no keep it quick and simple. I mean absolutely not but we'll just because we love Mark Mosley we'll put him in the not for me rather than at the bottom. But yeah I mean he's Bottom, I think he needs to try and stay in the Football League with South End first, doesn't he? Before he's trying to get into the Premier League. But um, love him, but no, 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 no. He, I mean, he is. Uh, he, he did a brilliant, brilliant job at Weymouth. And yeah. um, he's actually doing a really good job at South End. Not that the league position demonstrates it, because he's got them up, up and firing. And I think potentially he could be a manager in the future for us, just not this time around. But he, um, the one thing I always remember about him, which has always made me really like him, was I sat in front of him at Watford uh, a couple of seasons ago when we had the heavy win. Um, and he came as a fan with his little lad and he was in the row behind us. And you could not have, he was like us three would have been at that match. He was up, he was shouting, he was swearing, he was having a go at the referee. He, he, he went mad at every goal. Uh, and, and I couldn't help but think, you know, if it works out for myself end one day, I'd love to have someone that passionate about Bournemouth running our club. Because I've, I've not seen anyone, ex-players normally just sort of sit there and clap. He was amazing. He was amazing. I agree with what Neil's saying, by the way, as well. There's a few in there that uh, I think it's the circumstance right now. So, you know, you Mark Mosey, even John Terry, who I don't know. There's certain, there's certain ones in there that I think in the future, if in different circumstances, I'd be on board. But right now, we've got to realise the predicament we're in. I think that's, that's the key reason behind a lot of these. All right, so next on the list, uh, Neil, you've got uh, Nathan Jones, who's currently at uh, Luton Town, and his name has right. been mentioned on Odds Checker. Bit of an interesting one. So I think he falls into the reason why other people um, are wary about having Eddie Howe as a manager for other clubs. So he, he did really well at Luton and he went off to Stoke, didn't he, where he was a, a, an abject disaster. The Stoke fans uh, couldn't wait to get shot of him. Uh, and then he's gone back to Luton and he's done an all right job there. So I think he's, he's in that category of one club manager uh, type 
guy, which is why I always worry for Eddie getting jobs elsewhere because he had the spell at Burnley, didn't set the world alight. Mm. Um, so, no, I would say on his Stoke experience, uh, not for me. Not for me. Okay, so next we've got probably one of the front runners, you could say, on Twitter at least, Nigel Pearson, Jeff. Nigel Pearson. I think Nigel Pearson could be all right for us because he did well for Leicester. He did well for Watford. I think he was unlucky to lose his job. Well, unlucky. Um, unfortunate circumstances at Leicester. And I think Watford, you know, it's just crazy. If you if you stay there longer than 10 games, you've done well. So he, he, he'll get the players motivated. He'll get them uh, putting a lot of energy in around the pitch. And actually... I don't think he'd be a bad choice. So, where are you going to put him? I would say he could be in the want realistic category. Okay, brilliant. Okay, um, Patrick Vieira's name's been mentioned, Tom. Uh, uh, you know, I think I know which category this is going in, so you might want to cut to the chase, but it's up to you. Oh, it's, it's a horrible one for me, this, because everything that I say about what I want in a manager, Patrick Vieira's a definite no. I love him. <laughs> that's, a, that's a different show Tom yeah, yeah. so um, yeah I, I mean I just love the thought of Patrick I mean when I first started watching football one of the favourite players I used to watch and I can't imagine him managing Bournemouth no. it's, it's, it's like amazing but I, I've got to be I've got to be serious with it and I just don't um, but you know I love him so just put, I don't think it's realistic anyway so just put him in one not realistic with um, Eddie and Frank yeah okay so Paul Cook's for you then next uh, Neil Dawson no, no. <laughs> Irritating, cliche-ridden scouser. <laughs> Is that the bottom just, just, just on his radio interviews alone, just, just listening to you know, go, go out there and work ever so hard. You know, just <laughs> I, I couldn't, I couldn't listen to that on his radio interviews alone. I think he's one of those people who's a decent lower league manager, gets teams riled up, um, gets them fired up. I, I can't see what he's going to do with players like Rico or Jack Wilshere. He's just no. Not at all. All right. Uh, Jeff, talk to me about Rafa Benitez. <laughs> oh, my God. Yes, yes, yes. But <laughs> totally unrealistic. Yeah. It's not going to happen, is it? Not a million years. Oh, I mean, could, can you imagine Newcastle fans if Rafa comes to us? They'll go potty. Oh, right. Okay. So, 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 to me, 10 years ago, we've got, we're doing a tier list about the next Bournemouth manager. And there's a section with Eddie Howe, Frank Lampard, <laughs> Patrick Vieira, and Rafa Benitez. <laughs> what is going on? <laughs> Oh, I really love it. Yeah, I mean, that's how it works at the moment. Uh, right then. So uh, next on the list, who have we got? We've got Slavon Bilic, and that's and that's you, Tom. That's another one that I think um, we'd probably go in that section with. I, I mean, he's my, I would love him. I think Bilic's yeah. brilliant. I think he's, um, I know a few West Ham fans that really felt he was, he was hard done by there as well. My problem is I've realised he's in China. That cost a fortune um, to get him. Uh so I, I would have him definitely. I'm not sure if it's realistic. So I think it's going to be another one in that. But I would be chuffed with with Bilic, um, for experience, for the type of manager he is. I think he get the best out of the group. But um, I just don't think it's realistic. But I would love him. Okay, so Neil's. Uh, I'm, I'm just working out who's got the last one here. Um, I think it's going to fall nicely back to you, uh, Tom, for the last one. So you can wax lyrical over. I can't even work out who my one is. Who's yeah, so yours is um, Slavisa Jukanovic. <laughs> oh, oh, <right. laughs> 
Yeah, so he was um, so he was a guy I wanted in the so there was a few names that I wanted in the summer when Eddie went, and he was he was on my list or top of my list for in the summer. So I don't know. I guess it gets it falls into Slavon Bilic camp. I think he's in Qatar or somewhere, isn't he? Earning a fortune. So uh, it depends. Um, so like, as with Bilic, I think the two of them fall in the same category. Um, we would love to have them. Um, but it depends on what the financial situation is to t- in terms of getting them away. But so, yeah, I would, I would, um, I would, I would want him. Not sure how realistic it is, but only because of the situation of where he is currently. So want and realistic. Yeah, um, I agree with that. I mean, um, Tom, how do you feel about him? Because it's so weird. Like when I think about Watford managers that seem to have been there for a long time, yeah, relatively. He's he's the one. Now, he joined in 7th of October 2014. He got them promoted to the Premier League and then was sacked. He, he lasted nine months at Watford, which, you know, to be fair, yeah. is you know, a, lifetime. a long time for that. Yeah, um, you get a gold carriage clock for that at Watford. <laughs> yeah. And then he was at Fulham, wasn't he, Sam? Is that right? He was at Fulham. And he was there for quite a while as well, actually. He was there for two, three seasons, maybe. Uh, well, two and a half seasons or whatever it was. So, yeah, I mean, at Watford, he had a 50%, 58% win record at the moment. Yeah, he's in um, he's in one of the United Arab Emirates, I think, countries. So, I don't know. It'll, it'll be interesting to see. I mean, I'd quite like him, to be fair. Yeah, I yeah, I'd have him. I'd have him. I, th- I think, yeah, he's over there, but I reckon he'd fancy, you know, and he seems like the right sort of character as well. I, I like him mm. when, I've, when I've seen him and... Uh, what he's got the best out of players, and he's. I think you'd want to play for him, and he'd he'd get that out here. So yeah, I'd I'd definitely take him hundred percent. Right. So Jeff, Jeff, you've got Steve Robinson. Steve Robinson is a legend at the club, and he's he's somebody. Who, I mean, he played with Fletch. Um, he's been through a lot of the the club's darker times and scored a lot of really fantastic goals for us. Um, If he was a better manager, if he had a better track record, I would love it to be Steve Robinson. Sadly, I think his his career at Motherwell, he got into the cup final in Scotland, which was great. He's done some good stuff with Northern Ireland as part of their team. But I just don't think he's got the experience of... Championship football, the the hard nosed sort of on the ground experience of play of managing an English football team and getting them to be successful, it'd be too big a risk. I think maybe another time, you know, I think he needs another club before we look at him. And actually, probably he's taking a break now from other. He resigned or was fired or whatever, you know. Recently, he's taking a break. I just don't think he'd want to take it anyway. So not for me. Tom, Neil, you in agreement? Yeah. Yeah, for all the same reasons. Yeah, yeah. exactly the same. Okay, then. So, Tom, <laughs> it falls to you. Yes. Tony Pulis, someone whose odds recently have dropped dr- dramatically. Talk to me. I mean, I think they've dropped. I think we've said it off air. I think they dropped because of the link with Woodgate. Um, obviously, he's, he's local, uh, Pulis. And, um, yeah, Woodgate worked under him. At Borough. Um, we mentioned Harry Redknapp earlier and we were talking about, you know, obviously, and I'm a celebrity winner. I would take Joe Pasquale before I took Tony Pulis. Name <laughs> <laughs> um, any I'm a celeb winner you want. Um, please don't. Please don't yeah. do it. And I mean, that's that. the odds drop scared me. Um, 
uh, and everything. The fact that he's in the area, the fact that Woodgate randomly come in. Did he have a say? Is he? Oh, I don't know. But just please no. I mean, I'm fortunate enough that I'm young enough to not really remember when Pudis was here before. My old man has has told me that that was the only time that he didn't, he couldn't go. Um, He had a season ticket, but he could not go and watch it. The amount of people I've heard that when Pudis went in, they just couldn't watch. His footballing style. Shut up, Sam. Shut up. Shut up. up. I don't want your opinion on this, Sam, at all. (laughs) What were you going to say, Sam? Yeah, go on. (laughs) No, I was talking about Tony Pudis. With the players that we've got, his style of management does not match players that we've got. It would be an awful decision. Thank God for that. Just yeah, really. I thought you were going to say it would be a, a, a breath of fresh air. So. <laughs> no. <laughs> we, I don't think we've got anything to worry about because I think our um, our upper echelons don't like any challenge. I think that's why they, they I think that's why they went with Jason Tindall. If you're bringing Tony Pulis in, you're bringing someone in that will fall out with everyone at, at a senior level of a club. He always does. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, I just think it's, it's highly, highly unlikely to happen. Highly unlikely. On the plus, on the plus side, on the plus side, we'd get better long throws out of Lloyd Kelly. Yeah, we would, and and we'd probably have better set pieces. Yeah. On the down, on the downside, on the downside, the other, the other rest of it would be a nightmare. Yeah. To be fair, it'd probably do yeah. a similar thing to what Eddie did when he first came back in, and that's get Fletcher out of retirement, get him playing again. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. So, but, uh, yeah, Chris oh, Biggins, no. Chris Biggins before. Tony yeah, Chris Biggins. I'd have Biggins and Pasquale duo before uh, Tony Pulis. Tony Blackburn. Tony Blackburn, first ever winner. Good knowledge. So, out of those people that are in the want and realistic category, then we've got Poye, Pearson, and Yukanovic. Shall we? Shall we appoint our manager now? Out of those three, obviously, hypothetically, who would we like? I would go for. Uh, I haven't really changed my opinion on this in the last week. Actually, I, I think while it doesn't excite me, um, which are probably a managerial appointment should, um, I would go for Pearson because I think he will. He's got that strength of personality to take on some of the players that have shirked it. Uh, he's a fairly attacking manager. I think he would get us better organised, and I think with the squad that we've got, all we need is organisation. The squad is good enough. To, uh, as it proved yesterday, it played abjectly yesterday, scored three goals and one. Um, it's this, we've got some outstanding players, and I think he's bright enough. And, and he put in a real pitch for it, didn't he? Someone put it on Twitter last night. He put in a real pitch for the Bournemouth job um, on TV last night. He's got a point to prove, Sam, and I like managers who've got a point to prove because it means it means they're hungry to success rather than just taking the salary. And, and he's got he's got a massive point to prove. Yeah, no, I, I can't disagree. I can't disagree with um, what what the two guys are saying there. Um, I've, I've never been a fan of Nigel Pearson in terms of him. I just, I think, I mean, he comes across as a bit of a bully boy kind of character. I, I feel, but do we? Am, um, it would probably be a bit disingenuous for me to then say I don't want that because I want these lads to get a kick up the backside, get them organised, like Neil says. So I would, I would certainly, certainly take it. I think just to go a little bit different in that category that we've got. Um, if I had the pick of them three in that want and realistic category, I would go Yukanovic. But I don't know how... It's a difficult one, isn't it? Knowing his job is in Arab Emirates, we don't really know what his situation is. But if we're going to say, for argument's sake, he is realistic, then he would be my tip just ahead of Pearson. But I would... um, Yeah, Pearson's the type of character I potentially hope we need. But Joe Pasquale's warming to me more than all the time. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. 
Um, one of the things about Neil, uh, Nigel Pearson, obviously the board will have their own favourites and people that they'll want. Now, you know, there's been these rumblings. Of course, we interviewed Eddie Mitchell and he's got a bit of a, a terse character. Uh, and also Pearson has as well. is kind of weird things that he does. He's, he's a bit of an odd bod. His mentions of calling a journalist an ostrich, getting his team into the news when they didn't need to. That weird touchline incident where he almost strangled an opposition player. He was a bit hands-on with him. Um, he, he does funny things. Do you think the club would be wanting to invite someone like him? Because it's it's possibly not their cup of tea. There's a problem, it's a problem in it, because I look at the, you know, like we've, we've mentioned a few times there, um, you know, Neil made me feel better by mentioning that they probably wouldn't want a poo list. But I, I think I could almost make a case with every single one of their managers, would the board want them? Do you know what I mean? I think that's what's difficult because I feel like with the Jason appointment, it's like, do they want someone, you know, a bit more of a, a, a yes man, so to speak, someone that wouldn't cause any problems? And I think a lot of them, people that we've mentioned there, would potentially do that. It's difficult, I'd say. You make a good point with the, with the board and things like that. I think it's, it is a difficult one. But the fact of the matter is, uh, Denim's going to be thinking about his, his pockets and uh, we yeah. need to get back to the Premier League. And at the end of the yeah. day, if we get a manager in that's going to roll a, roll a few rockets up, up the players and potentially, you know, get us back where we need to be, then they'll, I'm sure they'll take that for a few disagreements with someone. Um, so, yeah, I, I think that is realistic. And, um, to yeah, I, th- I think that's, that could be a shout as well. I think, you know, we're saying about Pearson, I think he, he would take the job. So, um, yeah, interesting. My fear is that um, I think that Neil Blake likes to be seen with the right people and uh, it, those images quite important to him. And, and that's why I fear that we'll get John Terry, because I think he would quite like having John Terry as you know someone that he can knock around with. And, uh, and again, John Terry is new, so wouldn't be, you know, it doesn't come like Pearson where he would give the board a hard time for the players they've signed or stuff like that. He'd just be grateful to have the job. So that that's that is my that's why I think John Terry keeps popping up on lists. But because I, I think that Pearson would be too much of a challenge for the board. But this is what we want, isn't it? Not what the board want. So it's it's what the board's priority is. If the genuine priority is to get back in the Premier League, you cannot take a risk. You've got to get somebody with a proven trade record. Pearson's your man. Gentlemen, it's been a lot of fun today. Thank you so much for joining me. (laughs) Joe Pascali. Come on! Love doing this podcast, mainly because we won. Let's keep it going, boys. It's clear the names we do want and those we don't. What will happen, I'm sure, in the next week or so, we will find out what on earth is going on with regards to the AFC Bournemouth managerial situation. Right, interviews. Ted McDougall. The first part is live on YouTube. Yeah, we interviewed that goal-scoring legend. Go to youtube.com forward slash AFCB podcast and then you can watch the first half. The next half is coming next Sunday night at 8 o'clock. And I've also got to point you towards recent ones, including Eddie Mitchell and John Bailey as well. They were absolutely brilliant value for money, I've got to say. If you've enjoyed what we're doing, you can support us with a coffee. Go to afcbpodcast.com slash coffee. And just leave a little donation for our running costs of the pod. If you can't do that, well, 
a review on your podcast app would be appreciated. The amount of downloads we get compared to the amount of reviews, it's, I don't know, I'd, we'd love to get some more reviews. It's free to do and just show us your support or give us some constructive criticism. We don't care. It's just um, great feedback to try to improve the product that you're listening to. So if you can do that, just go onto your podcast app and leave a review. Right, tomorrow night on YouTube, myself and Tom Jordan, we're doing a watch-along during the FA Cup game. So for those of you who, who haven't got BT Sport and you want to follow it um, without <laughs> by watching fans that aren't on the fence, then, yeah, get involved. Uh, that's at youtube.com forward slash AFCB podcast. How many times have I said that today? Anyway, I best go. Until the next one, see you later. This has been Back of the Net, the AFC Bournemouth podcast. Danjuma is also there. It's going to be Danjuma who's going to fire this one into a very dangerous area. And Billing at the back post has turned it in. Unbelievable. Danjuma smashed it across the six-yard box. And Phil Billing gets the credit somehow. A little backflip inside the far post. And the Cherries with 13 minutes left have got themselves back in front again. Podcast Network.